recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. My name is Anoj um, and I've got the privilege of sharing from God's Word this morning. Uh, if you're new, maybe you haven't been here uh, for the last couple of weeks and um, in, in our services, we've been looking at a series entitled Unlikely Heroes. And what we're doing is we're looking at some of the lesser known characters in the Old Testament and seeing how God used them to, to make a difference in the lives of those around them. Um, so this morning, I have the privilege of concluding our series. Uh, but before we do that, let me pray and then we'll, um, we'll get straight into it. Father God, we thank you. Lord, for your word. We thank you that your word is um, relevant, it's alive, it's active, Father. And as we look at this uh, final character, Lord, in, in our series, I pray that you would bless our time together. I pray that you'd stir by your spirit um, an encouragement, Lord, for, for your people, that we may take something away this morning and be encouraged and stood in our own faith. Uh, I pray that you guard my words as I speak um, and help me to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, by way of starting, I, I want to start by, I guess, wondering something. Um, that quite, that kind of doesn't make sense. But I want to start by asking you to think about a time where maybe you asked the question, God, what are you doing here? Where are you? What's going on? And I'm not talking actually about a time of difficulty or struggle um, or hardship, although we often ask that question at that time. I'm talking about the, the mundane, everyday days in our lives, right? Because we're here on a Sunday and we hear great things about what God's done, right? How God saves people, he rescues, he sends miracles and deliverance. Um, or we, we, we hear stories or testimonies of people healed uh, miraculously by God's power. Or we enjoy food, which is a common theme this morning. Um, and we talk to one another and we hear about what God's doing in people's lives. And we're like, wow, God is at work. God is doing something. But then there you are on a Wednesday morning. You're sitting on the train. Your one eye is half shut because you're just that tired. Um, you're thinking about what you're going to cook for dinner later that night because one of your family members stole um, the Thai food you had in the fridge, which doesn't happen in our household, I promise. I, I'm usually the thief. Um, but you're there you are on a Wednesday morning wondering, God, where are you? The, the miracles of Sunday seem so far away and you're just got wondering, God, what are you doing? What, what do you want to do today? How does the miracles or the, the amazing things that I heard on Sunday affect my ordinary day-to-day life? Well, this morning, we're going to look um, at, at a character from the book of Esther. Um, and this morning, uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to, to read the book of Esther at some point um, in your spiritual journey, but um, the story of Esther is really about how God provides for his people, how he saves and he delivers people in a time of exile and in a time of particular danger. Now, the, the context of the book of Esther is it, it's written sometime um, after the, the first exile of, of Israel. And, and for one reason or another, there's a couple of uh, Jewish people that are still in um, the kingdom of Xerxes, including people like Esther, Mordecai, and others. Um, and at that time, the Jewish people faced um, all kinds of suspicion um, and threats. And, and in this particular situation, we actually see an attempt, attempt at genocide. We see a story of Haman, who was sort of like the second in command um, of the kingdom, wanting to wipe out the entire Jewish people in the land. And yet in the book of Esther, we see that God provided and protects his people. 
Now at this point, you'd probably expect to read a story of how God sent an amazing plague and struck down King Xerxes and, and all of his associates, or um, how God sent a warrior to, to fight and God did a miraculous thing. But what's probably most interesting about the book of Esther is that God is not mentioned by name not once in the entirety of the book. In fact, it's probably one of only maybe two books in all the Bible where God isn't explicitly named. But what we see when we look at the book of Esther is we, we see that God chose to use ordinary people to accomplish his purposes. God chose to, in a, in a time where he maybe seems absent, uh, where the miraculous wonders of a, of a Sunday morning seem so far away, God's plan was to use his people to accomplish his purposes, to be his tangible hands and feet and to accomplish the purpose and mission that he had in that situation. And so this morning, the unlikely hero we're going to look at is the character of Mordecai. I know some of you are expecting Esther, but we're looking at Mordecai this morning, who features heavily in this book. And what I hope to be able to help us see this morning is that as we look at the character of Mordecai, as we look at two clear ways in which God chose to use him mightily in this book, that we may be able to see and, and have an idea of how God might want to use us in our lives as well. So this morning we're looking at two things. Uh, if you're taking notes, firstly, we're looking at how God used Mordecai to care for people. And secondly, we're looking at how God used Mordecai as a mouthpiece against injustice. So how he cared for people and as a mouthpiece. Well, let's dive into it. Uh, our first point this morning God chose to use Mordecai to show care and compassion to people. Turn with me to chapter 2 of the book of Esther. Um, We're looking at verses 5 to 7, and we're looking at a particular instance of how God chose to use Mordecai to care for a particular person. Look at verse 5. This is what it says. Now there was in the citadel of Susa a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin named Mordecai, son of Jer the son of Shemai, the son of Kish, who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken captive with Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This young woman was also known as Esther and had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother had died. Now, I don't know about how your family works. Um, An ongoing discussion in our household is who exactly is a cousin, right? I don't know, maybe it's a cultural thing, maybe maybe your your cultural background is very similar, but I often hear these stories about these cousins that we have, and I dig a little deeper, and if I'm honest, they're probably technically a family friend. Or there's someone who lived up the road and just came over every single day in Sri Lanka, and so they're considered now a cousin. Um, and so they're invited to all the family events. When their kids or, uh, sorry, when they have kids or someone's sick, we take food to them. They get all the, the care and compassion that's afforded to cousins. But Mordecai, he's on a whole new different level, right? He's got a cousin named Esther. And when she loses her parents, he, he takes her in as if she was his own daughter. And he cares for her. He feeds her. He provides for her. He was completely invested in her life. And we see that even in that act alone, Mordecai reflects the father heart of God. God is a God who, is, um, who cares for the orphans and the vulnerable. God is a God who cares for, for, for those who have deep-seated needs. He has compassion towards them. And in this instance, God chose to use Mordecai to exemplify, 
to demonstrate that heart in a tangible way to Esther. But then we read on just a few verses later in verse 11, we see that we're in a situation where, where the king of the land is, is looking for a new queen. Um, and so there's a lot of uh, young women that are, are brought into the, the palace or the area and is sort of, you can think about like trying out to be the, the wife and the queen. And listen to what it says in verse 11. It says, every day he, that is Mordecai, walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. Now, when we read the entirety of the story, we see that that sort of in-between period lasted for a number of years. So Mordecai was there day in, day out, caring, how's Esther going? How's Esther going? How is she doing? He was invested in her life. And so that's our first observation this morning, that God chose to use a humble man like Mordecai to be his tangible hands and feet in caring for the needs of Esther, to be invested in her life. And I want to encourage us this morning to look at our own lives, look at our own hearts and see, is there maybe a way in which God is calling us to do the same for those around us? We live in a time, we've mentioned it um, at various points this morning, where we're so busy, right? We, we, we have so many things on. Um, it's no longer sometimes about, you know, Monday night or Tuesday night. It's about the hours in that night. I'm free from 7.30 to 8.30 to squeeze something in. We, we, we was often so busy. There's so many cares that we're involved in. And it's difficult for us to have the time and the patience to sit with someone, to invest, to be at the gates every day as it were caring and asking how someone is going. But church, I want to encourage us this morning to never underestimate the power and the impact that showing that kind of um, care has on someone's life. You know, a few weeks ago in our Connect group, if you were in our Connect groups and you were there that that week, mine's on a Wednesday, um, you might remember that we had a question. One of the icebreaker questions was um, to name or identify someone that is an unlikely hero in our lives. Now, for those who are there and those who answer that question, I wonder how many of us listed a person or a couple of people um, in that time. And I wonder out of those people, how many of them were there because at some point in our lives, they showed us great care um, or investment, how they were present when we were hurting, how they were available when we had some kind of need. Again, even in my own family, I, I, I know very distinctly and I hear all the stories about how, um, when I say stories about my family, my dad looks at me quite, um, quite particularly, so that's quite interesting. I remember stories my parents would tell about how when we were young or when we were born, people brought food and they, they cared and loved our family that way. Or how when my granddad was sick, they brought food over and how they came and sat with us and, and cared for us in that way. But it's true, isn't it? We, we remember those times, even years after the fact, about how someone showed some kind of care to us. We remember that. And often that's how God chooses to work in the lives of each and every one of us. God chooses to provide for someone, whilst he can sometimes in supernatural and miraculous ways, often he chooses to use you and I. Often he chooses us, he invites us to incarnate, as it were, or to represent in a tangible way the love that God has for those around us. There's a, there's a book um, that I've read, which is probably one of my all-time favorites. It's called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands um, by a guy by the name of Paul Tripp. And it's a book that's really all about personal ministry, caring for people, um, loving them um, as Christ would love them. And he, he has this quote in there, which I thought is really relevant, um, particularly to our concept this morning. 
And it says this, it says, an instrument is a tool that is actively used to change something. And God has called all of his people to be instruments of change in his redemptive hands. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things in the lives of others. That's our first point this morning, that as we see in the example of Mordecai, that God often chooses to use you and I to care, to meet the tangible needs of those around us. For Mordecai, it was taking his cousin in as if it was his own daughter. For us, it might be a friend or a work colleague. Um, but our point this morning to start with is that, that that's how God has chosen to use Mordecai and indeed us in the lives of others. But it doesn't just stop there. We get to our, our second point this morning, that God also chose to use Mordecai as a mouthpiece against injustice. Again, remember the, the context of, of the story. So um, we've got Haman, who's the second in command, and he's, he's, he's made this edict, or he's had the king make this edict to wipe out all the Jews in the land. And the reason for it was quite simply because um, Mordecai chose not to bow down to him. And so he wasn't satisfied with just killing Mordecai. He wanted to wipe out the entire nation, complete and uninhibited genocide. And look at what it says in chapter 4, if you want to turn there. Verse 1 of chapter 4, this is what it says. It says, When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gates because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. And then Esther, who's um, now the queen in in the palace, she she sees and hears about Mordecai and sends one of her attendants. Jump down to verse 6. This is what we read. So Hathak, which is the attendant, went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show to Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. See, when the the edict came out, he and his fellow Jews, they they were in danger. There was an injustice that was about to occur. There was great calamity that was ahead of them. And notice at this point what Mordecai doesn't do, right? The first thing he doesn't do when he sees or hears about this injustice is he doesn't bury his head in the sand. He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't say, oh, someone else will deal with it. I'm going to leave it to someone else. This injustice, that's not something I'm going to involve myself in. He doesn't turn a blind eye or deny they will occur. He wasn't indifferent. Now you could say that, okay, well, he's Jewish, so that's probably why. He's part, he's going to be wiped out as well. But then look at also what he doesn't do. He doesn't do the opposite and turn inward and look at only protecting himself. I mean, when we read the story, from the time the edict is given to the, the date where the annihilation was supposed to happen was at least about 10 or 11 months. So Mordecai could have easily said, look, I'm going to create a plan for myself to get away. I'm going to take only those close to me. I'm just going to run. Don't worry about my fellow duty. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't turn inward and look only at himself and leave everyone behind. Instead, he chooses to stand in the gap for his people. In verse 7 and 8, Mordecai tells her through his, her attendant about all that has happened and gives her a copy of the edict. And he, he beckons her to go to the king at the great risk of her life to plead for, for the lives of the Jews. 
Now, there's, a, there's an argument here that you could say that really the unlikely hero is Esther, as I mentioned at the start. And maybe if we had a fifth week in this series, we, we could do um, a, a series on Esther because she definitely has a role to play. Um, but all that to say, it doesn't diminish the impact that Mordecai's role had. He still had a part to play. And it was, it's interesting to note that he chose to be an advocate even in a situation where he himself couldn't bring about direct change. He chose to, he, he recognized, you know, I, I can't do anything, but I know someone who can. And he chose to speak to Esther and to leverage upon that. In our day and age church, day and age church, when we're not short of any of injustices, right? There's so many things around the world, domestic violence, um, violence against unborn children, child slavery, to name a few. But how often, if we're honest, do we maybe turn a blind eye to that? We maybe say, you know what, I, I can't really make much of a difference, so I'm going to just ignore that. I'm going to not involve myself in that. I'm not going to even try. And I want to challenge us to consider how God might want to be using us as a mouthpiece against injustice. See, the impact of Mordecai's actions, they, they were great, right? In fact, in the, the last verse of the book, we're told um, in the last verse of chapter 10 that, that Mordecai was held in high regard for his, uh, amongst the Jews, and I quote, because he worked for the good of his people and spoke up for the welfare of all the Jews. Right? His actions were great. He stood up against genocide. And look, church, maybe for some of us, we have the opportunity to do that. Maybe we work in industries where we're working very directly with some of these um, injustices or, or issues in our world. Maybe working in industries that target human trafficking um, or something like that. Or maybe, like Mordecai, we have the ear of someone who can bring about direct change in these big areas. But for most of us, myself included, chances are we, we don't necessarily have that kind of access right now. But there are other injustices that happen in our, in, in our daily lives that we can do something about. Maybe for you it's um, at school or at work and you've got a colleague that's been unfairly uh, targeted and bullied. Maybe they're even being harassed and, um, and discriminated against. I work in a personal injury um, the personal industry, sorry, personal in, injury industry, um, and I see a lot of um, a lot of my clients who've um, got serious psychological injuries from being bullied and harassed at work. And maybe you're in a position where you see that in your own workplace or in your own schools or universities, and you have the opportunity to stand up for that person, to speak up, to say something, to defend them, to 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 be an advocate for them. Or maybe you have a friend that's been treated unfairly or, or been, um, been hurt by someone else and you have the opportunity to speak up for them, to, to help them and, and someone else move towards reconciliation. There's a number of injustices that we see in our world that don't need to be world-changing injustices. There's little things that happen in day-to-day lives. And I want us to consider how maybe God might be wanting to use us as an advocate or as a mouthpiece against those injustices. And again, this really reflects the heart of God. God is repeatedly, we're told in Scripture, that God is a God who's close to the brokenhearted. He's a shelter for the oppressed. He's a deliverer for those who are going through hardship. God's heart has always been towards those who are facing that kind of hardship. And, and us doing that is really a reflection of his own heart. It's really sometimes how God chooses to do his work by using us as a mouthpiece. Now, there's a, as a side note, we could also look at the fact that in Mordecai's example, that advocacy and that being a mouthpiece didn't only stop with just his people. Before this entire story happens in chapter 2, we see that he's an actually, he actually acts as an advocate for the king. 
when someone wants to come and kill um, the king um, in chapter 2, he stands up and he, and he tells Esther about it so that the king's life can be saved, which is remarkable because the king is a, is a foreign king. He's, he's a king that's no fan of the Jews per se. He could have easily said, oh, I'm going to let this guy die, but he chose to be an advocate even for those who he wasn't close to. But the point this morning is that God chose Mordecai and maybe he even calls and chooses us to be a mouthpiece against different kinds of injustice. Whether it be the big global um, human trafficking rings, whether it be the smaller day-to-day relational things that we see and experience, God invites us to be a mouthpiece against injustice. And so as we come to a close, maybe if Andy and the team want to jump up, I want to close this series by asking us a question. And the question is this, how might God be wanting to use you? In this series, we've, we've looked at um, four different people, and each of them have done different things, and some of them have been quite big. The actions they've done, the, the things they've done have been quite big. I mean, we have um, Samson pushing down pillars. I mean, you and I probably can't do that at the best of times. Uh, we've got Mordecai, who's um, speaking up to save an entire nation. We've also got a slave girl who makes an offhanded comment to her master. We've also got a widow who bakes a bit of bread. Whether it be a small or a big action, what I hope for us to see this morning and indeed from our series this month is that God sometimes does miraculous things in his power, but often he chooses to use you and I to accomplish that work. We don't need a fancy title or some kind of superstar story to make a difference in people's lives. It's in the ordinary day-to-day workings of life. It's in those Wednesday mornings that we're on the train and going to work that God might be choosing and calling us to do something that will have a lasting impact. In Mordecai's case, he needed to speak up against injustice. And there was generational impact that came from that. He cared for Esther. She became queen. She then played a part in that role. He spoke up against injustice. The Jewish lineage was saved. And through through that, Christ came and, and we know that story. But no matter how big or small we might think the impact will be, I want to challenge and encourage us this morning to consider how God might want to be working through you today. Maybe for you, it's in your work. We could do another whole sermon on work. But in the industries you work, not just in how you relate to fellow employees, but how you actually do your work. As a teacher, you have an opportunity to invest in the lives of the future leaders and and church ministers and people in our society. If you're in construction, you have the opportunity to build something that's going to serve the needs of a family or of of a business or something that's going to impact someone's life. If you're in finance, you have the opportunity to help people to manage and steward their finances well or to help big businesses to do the same thing so that they can make a good financial impact in our world. Maybe you're in health and you have the opportunity to help people heal from some kind of sickness or prevent some kind of sickness or to identify even what's going on in their bodies. Church, in the work that we do, God's called us and invited us to use that work to serve Him. Maybe it's in the relationships that we're in. Maybe God's inviting you to come to the gate every day like Mordecai and to ask how someone is, to follow up on a need that they've expressed. Maybe it's at church and some of the needs that we have here that God's inviting you to step in and to to get involved. Church, none of this is easy. 
we've seen in every single one of the stories this month that it cost, or um, at the very least, there was a risk of cost to each of these people. The slave girl risked being ridiculed as some no-name trying to speak to her master. The widow risked hunger for herself and her child. Samson risked failure, public failure, once again after a period of, of unfaithfulness. Mordecai risked his own life and that of Esther's as well. But as Christians, we look to Christ and when we see Christ, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despite its shame, despite the ridicule he would receive. And we see that for love, he sacrificed his life and laid it down for us. When we behold that, when we cherish that, that gives us the fuel to then be able to make the sacrifices that we need to do to serve him in that way. And so as we close, let me come back to the first scenario I posed to you. What might God be wanting to do on that Wednesday morning when you're on that train? And maybe the answer to that question is perhaps He's inviting you to be an instrument in His hands, to be someone that is going to impact the life of even just one person that day, one person this week, one family this month. And so church, we're going to do something that we don't always do. And I want to invite us to stand to our feet the bands that they're gonna they're gonna sing and, and they're gonna play. But I want to invite us to, to really open our hearts and reflect on what God might be saying to us this morning. And in particular, I want to open up the front here. You know, when I'm always there and people will say, Hey, come to the front, get prayed, I'm always anxious. I'm like, oh, why? I can pray at home. Why do I need to come here? And there's nothing special about coming here in the sense that God hears these prayers more than anything else. But there is something special in coming together and standing with one another. We have the opportunity as we're gathered together to stand and to pray for one another, to lay hands on one another, to stand in the gap. And so if there's maybe something that's challenged you this morning um, or from this entire series about how God might be wanting to use you, I want to encourage you to come to the front. If you're outside, maybe you can come in and some of us who, who, who are at the back, maybe we can leave if we're not coming forward, whatever it is. But I want to invite you to come to the front. But not only that, maybe if you've got a particular need, this has been a tough season that we're in. It's been a tough year, and maybe there's a, there's a particular thing that's on your heart, a burden, a heartbreak, a, a weighty decision that you need to make, and you want to come and just be stood, um, stood at, the, stand at the front and be prayed for. I want to invite you to do that. Maybe if our elders um, are around, they can come and support and pray as well. Um, so I want to open it up, church, as the band sings, come to the front. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church Podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.